Hello, and welcome back to the Bike Walk Wichita podcast, where we cover local bike ped news, interview cool people, and share the latest resources, rides, and walks. I'm your host and the executive director, Kim Newfeld, in the recording studio today with Jack Murphy and our board president, Alan Kaler. We hope you are staying well during this uh, pandemic. These are definitely strange times, and it was really hard for us to clear our calendar of most events uh, and volunteer opportunities through April, but it was something uh, we knew we had to do. Of course, there are many people who rely on their bikes for transportation, so our recycle shop is considered an essential service, and we are remaining open with limited services, primarily on Friday and Saturday afternoons, 1 to 4 p.m. We are helping individuals and families one at a time uh, with emergency bike repairs, distributing bikes and helmets to kids and adults with vouchers, and we have our low-cost recycle bikes for sale as always. We can also schedule appointments uh, if you email us at info at bikewalkwichita.org or call and leave a message at 316-530-2990. Of course, we are closely monitoring the pandemic, so please check ahead to ensure we are open. Even though we have been ordered to stay at home, we are all allowed and encouraged to get outside. So we hope you've been able to get out and enjoy the spring weather we have been having. We know that nature and uh, physical activity are some of the best medicine. So make sure you're keeping your social distance and taking proper precautions as recommended but we do hope that you're able to get out and explore. In fact, we have noticed a huge spike in the number of people and families we are seeing out enjoying our parks and trails and in the neighborhoods. Um, I'm loving seeing all of the neighborhood scavenger hunts and ideas to entertain families. I hope those continue year round. Uh, We will be posting fun rides and walks that you can enjoy solo or with your family. So make sure you check out our Facebook page or we also have a Strava club if you search Bike Walk Wichita, or you can always visit us online at bikewalkwichita.org for local adventures, uh, events, and tips that we will share weekly. Today, we are going to jump right in with a special interview with our longtime friend and Wichita City Council member for District 1, Brandon Johnson. So thanks for tuning in and joining us as we talk all things Bike Walk. Today we're talking with Wichita City Council Member Brandon Johnson. Brandon, welcome uh, uh, to our podcast. Uh, thank you very much for giving us the time to, to do this. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. Um, I'd like to begin by just asking you to, to introduce yourself. Uh, what do we need to know about Brandon Johnson as a, as a city council member and community member? Uh, that, that's always a difficult question. Um, so I'm a lifelong Wichita. grew up here. Um, I went to the greatest high school in Wichita, Northeast Magnet, uh, undefeated in all sports, as I like to say. Uh, then I went to uh, Friends University, majored in business administration uh, and football, and I uh, <laughs> was able to coach there for a number of years with Coach Lewis. He mm-hmm. was uh, one of the all-time winningest coaches in the NAIA and in the KCAC, uh, so that was an honor. And then I uh, went over to Wichita State for some time as well, majored in sociology. So just been all the way around Wichita, worked in nonprofits my entire professional career, 
which has uh, really kind of led me to where I'm at now. There's a lot of folks in the community that always encouraged me to run for office, and I would always say no, but I did like helping people and, and serving, and had a lot of great experiences from the state level down to, to now local government. Uh, I didn't serve in any elected capacity, but I was appointed to the uh, uh, Kansas Advisory Group for Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention. Long name, <laughs> we called it CAG. Um, but yeah, I did that for 10 years. Uh, my final year was under Governor Brownback. Um, so I served about a decade there, but I've just worked in a lot of different areas and in the community and it's always tried to be helpful. All right, great. Um, so, of course, we're focused on, on biking and walking, so I've got to ask you some bike questions oh, yeah. here. Yeah. Did you have a bike growing up? I did. So uh, my first bike I can remember was stolen off my porch. Mm. Not happy about that, but it was, a, it was a trend. It was a mudslinger. It's a real durable huh, bike. Okay. And I would jump curbs and willies and stuff. I know you all don't encourage that. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I loved that bike, and someone stole it. But then I had a few other bikes. Uh, my first, I think, long-distance trip, long-distance to me, because uh, we lived over around 21st and Oliver. So I had a, a friend, and his dad bought him a bike, and a bike, and he had a bike, and then bought his mother a bike. And we rode from 21st and Oliver down to Pawnee and Broadway. Okay. Great my trip there, yeah. <laughs> the way the trip back sucked because it's back uphill. So uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> I learned about that, and that was before we had all the accessible bike paths and stuff in Wichita. So yes, we were on sidewalks and all of that. But yeah, that was fun. I used to ride my bike everywhere. I rode my bike to school. I went to uh, Buckner Elementary, so okay. just a nice little mile ride. I used to do that every day. So okay, yeah. Oh, I I actually made the reverse commute. Uh, few years before you but uh, I rode to college I lived down at uh, Pawnee and Broadway and, okay. and uh, rode up to WSU when I was in college so. uphill right. <laughs> so and then we're also very much about communities and place making and stuff so is there some place in Wichita that you like to show people in particular that they may not know about uh, I don't have one okay. I like to show people different hidden gems so okay. Uh, a lot of folks don't know there's more restaurants per capita in Wichita than, than anywhere else. So I try to find things off the beaten path. If you if you come from out of town and you tell me you want to go to Applebee's or something, <laughs> that's a long conversation we're going to have. <laughs> um, so Clifton Square, just to kind of show what that area looks like. Um, Delano, of course. There's a lot of great things in Delano. And then I like to find hole-in-the-wall restaurants to take people to, which normally is in a neighborhood that is off the beaten path. So taking folks there, if someone is interested in, in art, we'll take them up and down Douglas to see the murals there, but also over to the Dunbar Theater to see the murals mm -hmm. there. Try to show folks the, uh, the nation's biggest mural from different <laughs> angles. So if, right. you, if you're at Wichita State, 21st and Yale, you're kind of on top of the hill. You can see it from 21st and Yale. And then you drive all the way down 21st Street, then um, you get closer and you can get out and see just how massive it is. But just try to show people things from different perspectives. Very neat. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So Bike Walk Wichita is fundamentally an advocacy organization. And we work, among others, with the city council uh, on promoting uh, biking and walking and safety uh, in the community. Uh, so an important part of that is understanding how city council members do their job. And so I've got 
several questions about your work as a city council member. And it seems to me that there's lots of different tensions involved as being a, oh, yeah. a city council <laughs> member. Uh, and you, uh, you, uh, obviously you know more about that than I do, but the ones that I've thought of are, for example, you know, on the one hand, you've got citizens that want you to help with getting their sidewalk fixed or a, a city violation of some sort. And then on the other hand, for example, you're having to make decisions about a $500 million water plant. Yeah. How do you balance those those concerns, those demands? Um, you know, so I think it's difficult for, for anyone in that position, but being that I worked in nonprofit and was an activist kind of before being on council, I'm kind of used to the different issues and, and different things that people are uh, passionate about. So for me, it really just comes down to being as informed as I can, um, getting as many perspectives and opinions as I can, and then working with that on the bigger issues and then the smaller ones still you know, learning what you can and can't do legally. So sidewalks, those are the property owner's responsibility. And people hate when I say that to them. But then we try to find alternatives. Um, my predecessor set up a, a great opportunity with a neighborhood grant. So when you bring up sidewalks, I can tell you it's your responsibility to deal with this. But depending on your income level, we do have grant funding available to help you out. Um, our inspectors are really good with working through that. Um, but, I mean, we hear everything from sidewalks to a dog is barking too much at night. Can you do something about it to, you know, one big thing right now is these group homes that are popping up. There are people who are upset about that. And I'm still getting more information. And initially I was told there's federal protections that actually stop all of us from doing anything about it. And then when we just went to D.C., one city told me they're actually doing something about it. And they have a few ordinances. And I asked, well, if there's a federal law that stops this, how are you doing it? And they said there's not. So now I'm asking them for information to see if there is something we can do to address that for our citizens. So really just comes down to the issue, trying to get informed. And our, our staff with the city is amazing. You know, you just kind of let them know what's going on and they'll find an answer for you. And oftentimes they go give the answer for you. So, yeah, it's a lot to it. Yeah. It's a lot to it. And okay. one of the more difficult things is giving someone information they don't want. Mm. But it's the information. Yeah. So another tension that I, that I see is uh, sort of the, the role of government generally uh, and a representative in, in government. You know, do you see it more as kind of collecting the views of your constituents and then representing that city council or getting informed and then letting your constituents know what's best for what you think is best for the city? It's both. Um, I, I think you, when you elect someone, you should know that more often than not, they're going to do what it is you want them to do because they're your elected representative. They're your voice in government. Um, but at the same time, you want that individual to make the best informed decision as well. Um, and I would say one big, big thing was this water treatment plant. Um, you know, there was a big push in the public to stop and, and go back out for mm -hmm. bid. And I understood that, um, but what I knew at the time was if we did that, one, there was a potential risk of losing the federal loan that we would have had, which meant to me um, there was a potential that we could not raise your rates 5%. We would raise them 15 So then I had to think, do I listen to this big push to say no, or do I go ahead with this because the rates are better and these folks are qualified to do the job? 
And so I supported going forward with this group because I didn't want to see the higher rates. And I still believe we made the best decision. Um, our trip to D.C. and, and working with um, EPA and other federal departments and our federal elected leaders, I still say we did the right thing. We've got really good relationships on the federal level. So for me, it was the right move to make. It wasn't what everybody wanted. And I would say it was probably 50-50. 50% of the folks said that I heard from said that we should stop, and the other 50 said just go ahead with it. Um, one example of me listening and not doing what I wanted to do was fireworks. Mm. So I've always felt as a kid, we used to blow up everything, uh, that the 4th of July, we should just be allowed to do what we wanted to do. I understand leading up to the 4th. And so at 18, when we were considering tougher enforcement, Personally, I wanted the fourth to be left alone, but I had so many people in my district that said, we need to ban them, we need to stop this, we need to enforce the ordinance. So I went ahead with enforcing the ordinance, just listening to, to the district. Personally, I wasn't a big fan of it, but you know, ultimately it worked out for what people wanted. It was quieter the next year um, up until the fourth. Now on the fourth, I don't think many people care about that. So that's still a conversation to have, but up until the 4th, they knew that there was enforcement efforts. It was a lot quieter, at least in the spaces I've been in, mm -hmm. leading up until the 4th. So it's tough, though. You you have to – you really need to listen to, to the community and think about what the impact's going to be, and that's who you really want in office, who's thinking about the real impact on the community. Okay. Okay. And then talking about listening to the community, a, 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 another dichotomy I see is – District one is seems to be a really diverse district. Oh, yeah. Geographically, it's it's big, but then it uh, it also expands a lot of different uh, neighborhoods. How do you take that into account? So before I ran for office, uh, I know he won't mind this because he tells everybody, but James Roseboro, um, who was the president of Wynn and president of Northeast Heights Neighborhood Association just made this comment to me that if I was running for office, I needed to know the entire district, not just one part, the part that he loved. And so uh, he made me get in a truck with him, <laughs> and we drove all of District 1, hmm. north to south, and he pointed out the neighborhoods that had some issues and what those issues were, in his opinion, what he had heard from, uh, concerns that people had had, whether it was parking or theft or uh, new folks coming in, zoning issues. He broke all of that down to me. It was a wonderful trip. Uh, it took us about three hours, and uh, it was worth it. And from that, I knew that I knew all of Northeast Wichita. That's where I'd done my work. We had a nonprofit. We did community gardens there. Um, so South District 1, I had not been in a whole lot. So when I was canvassing, I spent a lot of time knocking doors in the area and Politically, it probably wasn't smart, but for me, I like to be informed. So rather than like pitch vote for me, I was asking, what are the issues over here? And I would tell people I'm one of, during the primary, I'm one of four people who may represent you. So I just want to be aware of what I should be looking for over here and what your concerns are. And then in the general, um, I think people took it a little more serious because then I was one of two people that could represent them. Mm -hmm. And I learned about different crime issues and folks who were moving in and not understanding you can't park in the grass and you can't have vehicles that just sit there for months at a time. Um, so that was eye-opening. And the other thing I like to do is go talk to people outside of campaign years because mm -hmm. politicians show up every two or four years knocking on your door asking <laughs> for a vote. Um, and what I've tried to do every year is go out and just knock doors no matter what. 
you know, what are some things you care about that maybe I don't know about or I haven't addressed or what mistake have I made that, you know, has upset you? Mm -hmm. You know, how can we Mm -hmm. do that? Just have conversations at doors while at the same time trying to strengthen neighborhood associations. So if we're if we're doing all of that, I get to hear from people all the time. So I'll get to know that some concerns around the Dunbar Theater are not the same in College Hill, which are also not the same in Linwood, which definitely are not the same for downtown, mm-hmm. but also up by Heights High School. That's a new development, well, relatively new development. So they really don't have a whole lot of concerns that I've heard of. Normally, it's something simple that just needs to get fixed. So mm-hmm. if you can get out and talk to all the various parts of your district, and I didn't even mention over there by uh, 29th and Rock, because um, west of Rock at 29th Street is District 1, and east of it is District 2. Mm-hmm. So we've got all the cool stuff like Chipotle and Jimmy's Diner and mm-hmm. Sam's and stuff. So uh, getting up there and just talking to people and trying to figure out the different needs. And, and one thing we don't always talk about is business needs as well. So you hear about the theft issues at the Family Dollars and the Dollar Stores mm-hmm. and Dollar Trees and just trying to figure out what's going on there. And as you look into it, you begin to find trends from – uh, teens taking things to Facebook's black market and all of that stuff. So it, it's an eye-opening experience. Wow, listening to you describe that, actually. So uh, city council positions are nominally part-time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that doesn't sound like a part-time uh, job that you just described there. No, you know, I was blessed. Um, it, it pays about what I was making beforehand, so I don't have to have another job to supplement my mm-hmm. income. Uh, now, to pay off all my college student debt and stuff, I do need. So we, we're <laughs> looking at something that I can do that won't take away from this job. But my, mm-hmm. my number one priority and a promise I made was I was just going to do this, and up until this point, this is all I've done. So when I wake up and go to sleep, it's just all city council stuff. And really, when the when that whole push for term limits came, you know, I'm not really supportive of extending term limits. Um, but what I did want to see was the community have a discussion about our positions because mm-hmm. per ordinance, we're part time. So mm-hmm. the community, the city, can vote to make us full time. And I'm not supportive of paying us 90000 a year. That's that's a little much. But um, I did say an increase in pay would bring out um, better candidates, I think, more representative of the average person. So if you paid us sixty to 65000 full-time job, that works. But aside from that, I think that's for future councils. For me, I'm fine at where we are now. But those are things I think the community should consider when it comes to this job, yeah. when you look at it as part-time. Because there are folks who took pay cuts to – be on council and they're looking for other ways to make revenue. Okay. Okay. So how is the best way for people to get in touch with you to express their concerns or their, their, their views on something? So I try to make myself accessible on all social media platforms. So I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I should probably be on YouTube more, but I have a page. Um, I'm also on Facebook. And you can email, phone call, reach out on any of those platforms. I don't check LinkedIn enough, but I'm on LinkedIn, so I'm trying to get better at that. But uh, I really have tried to reach people where they are and not tell them a formal process because, you know, a lot of times it's, hey, just call City Hall, which is easy for some people. But if you see that I'm online, just Mm -hmm. reach out. And sometimes I I like paper trails. I'm not a big fan of phone calls. So if if we talk on the phone, I'll ask you to send me an email just so I can follow along to make sure things are being addressed. Because on on the phone call, you might miss details. You know, you might have said Mm -hmm. an address I can't remember or several addresses. So 
I just tell people, reach out wherever you see me. Um, even if it's in person, you know, give me a card or make sure I take a note. If you just say it and not, like I'm walking, I'm probably not going to remember <laughs> that. that. That's happened a couple times. Yeah. But um, once we have an initial contact, I try to follow up by email. That way I'll always have something to go back and review to make sure that everything was addressed. Okay, great. Speaking of getting in touch with you, uh, Bike Walk Wichita has devoted a, a lot of its energy lately to uh, the redesign of Douglas and uh, the, the downtown streets plan. We have an uh, open house coming up on that. Um, looking at making downtown generally a, a more walkable area, um, what's the current state of, of those plans, the downtown streets and, and Douglas? I believe there will be a another meeting coming up. They presented, March was supposed to be presenting at all the district advisory boards. And I believe April was going to be a bigger meeting. Probably should have looked at those notes before I came here. But I think April or June will be a bigger public meeting on that. And then um, construction, Douglas-wise, I believe is supposed to start in 2022. So. Okay. We're getting close to, uh, I know 21 was going to be kind of like the, the finalization of the plan, which I think we're there now, but, you know, I'll, we'll go through with the process and make sure most people know about it. Um, but 22 is when construction was supposed to start. Okay. Okay, so that's great to hear. Um, so we have the, the open house on the downtown streets on, on, on March 24th, and then right now the Douglas is still in the budget schedule for 2022 yes okay great um what have what have you heard from downtown businesses about that whole uh concept you know lately it's been pretty quiet for the Mm -hmm. most part um well specifically around douglas i think there's a lot of um interest in some of the streets that we may change from one way to two way okay um to see how that impacts and the flow of traffic in and out of downtown um, the presentations that have come have not resulted in any real negative feedback. I think people Good. are just interested in what that change looks like and how it will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think those will be good changes. My main concern has been protected bike lanes and what mm-hmm. what that additional cost will be, and we need to find a way to try to do mm-hmm. that. I like the bike lanes on the concrete, but those aren't always the safest. And protected bike lanes, I think, are the best thing to do. We just need to see how we can work that in, whether it's by design, by spacing a bike lane between cars and a curb, or putting in an actual protective bike lane. So conversation to continue having since all of that won't happen at the same time. Sure. But we can try to find ways to make something like that happen. Okay. Well, that's that's, that's great to hear. And, of course, you know, we're uh, – we're here to uh, provide any input that uh, that you'd like. Um, what what have you heard from the general public about about the plans? Yeah, again, lately it hasn't been a whole lot. Early on, there was uh, the businesses downtown had some concern, but everyone kind of came to the consensus that, or the majority came to the consensus that this was the best way to go as far as Douglas is concerned. There's a lot of folks from outside of downtown that didn't necessarily like what we were shooting for, but I think a lot of the folks who don't like it will become fans once it happens. Because it's one thing to think about going from five lanes to to three, so one each direction in a turner lane, but 
once you see it and you're walking it or biking it or you have to get out and go to a business and you notice traffic has calmed and it's safer and it looks different, I think people will like it at that point. Okay, great. So Bike Walk Wichita is not just focused on, on downtown, although that's been a big effort of ours lately. We're actually focused on the, on the whole community. We believe a community that encourages biking and walking is going to be safer and healthier and stronger. And so I know you have a lot of your career in focusing on neighborhoods as well. Um, have you seen progress in uh, that kind of focus while you've been on the city council? I have. Not as much as I'd like to see, but I have. You know, one of the big things in my campaign was neighborhood roads. And so I've I've seen with the use of some Hyatt funds, more neighborhood roads being resurfaced. Um, staff does a really good job of patching um, roads and neighborhoods. I, I think one of the frustrations, as I learned being on council, was concrete is much more expensive to fix than asphalt. So hmm. a lot of the roads that are... Uh, that have potholes and chipped concrete. They're solid concrete roads, so to go in and take those out and put in asphalt would be pretty expensive. So we're trying to figure out how to do more of that. The areas that have asphalt, uh, we've been doing a good job of getting to those, but I think we could do a little better. Um, a lot of what I want to see in neighborhoods, the city does and does not have a part to play in it, so we haven't seen a lot of investment in some of the lower-income neighborhoods. Some of that is the city for infrastructure, so our CIP uh, funding streams. But some of that also is getting either businesses interested in investing in those areas or finding better access to capital for entrepreneurs to invest in their own mm-hmm. area. And the access to capital has been a struggle, but there are um, local banks taking some risk on that. So Fidelity is working with um, Christina Long over at Founders Grove on some funding streams to to help out Network Kansas is looking at doing a little more. Um, But then we learned that past the access to capital is also the business education. So Christina, again, is doing a really good job at Founders Grove of trying to get folks um, informed on what a business plan is, understanding you need to plan three to five years, um, going through the whole legal structuring process, understanding that just because you have money right now doesn't mean you'll be successful for three months. You've got to have an actual plan. That money will run out. Um, so those things need to happen a little more, but I've, I've been seeing more of a focus on that. Another thing that we've been doing as a city that you'll probably hear about here pretty soon is looking at our contracting. So we've been trying to expand our vendor base and folks who do business with the city of Wichita. If you get out of the folks who continually always win those contracts and you get into these lower income neighborhoods or communities of color where we have businesses as well but may not know how to get in contact with the city, we've been working on that. Mm-hmm. So my, my thought and hope is that by these individuals doing business with the city, increasing income in their uh, household, they'll be able to get into a, a home that they own and not rent. Or if they do own it, something that they can fix up, continue to improve the neighborhood, maybe even hire folks from the neighborhood and uplift the community in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but we won't know unless we try. We're kind of in a phase where I'm pushing to try everything to see what works and what doesn't work. We can stop what does work. We need to do more of uh, so we can start to figure that out. So we talk about it more. Um, we've seen some direct investments. I said this on social media, but I am focused on trying to find a way to get a second shift transit going. Uh, That would be huge for neighborhoods and and the city Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. and economic development because people can get to and from work. But 
one of the things that I never connected until a citizen did was even to the grocery store because I'm always thinking about walking or you don't have a vehicle to go in during the day. But someone said, well, what about the person who catches the bus to work and catches the bus home, but they get home at 545 and there's no bus to take them to the store? Right. Hadn't thought about that until some citizen said it. So um, second shift transit, I think, will be a huge help to neighborhoods if we can get it. And our transit director is working on a five-year plan now with uh, the transit advisory board and trying to find some numbers to present to the council. But initially, it doesn't sound like it's going to be hugely expensive to go second shift. We just need to figure out what what we actually need, what we actually can do, um, and then by law, what will be required of us, what other services will be required for something like that. Okay. Okay, great. Actually, since you mentioned transit, skip ahead just a little bit. I intended to talk about that, but... Uh, so the uh, Mike Tan, the new director, has been in office a year, a little more. About a year and a half. Yeah. And uh, we're not just focused on biking and walking, but big supporters of transit as well. Uh, been real impressed with uh, some of the ideas that, that he's brought, uh, expanded uh, service to WSU and uh, the student uh, fairs uh, there. Uh, uh, you mentioned the, the second shift. Are there other things going on? With the with transit, there might be. I, I try to focus on one plan. thing at a time. Yeah. yeah. So he's doing that. Um, sometimes I get a little pushy, but <laughs> <laughs> so that that's just like the one thing that I've really okay. talked with him about to mm-hmm. figure that out. Within that also is um, a look at covered um, bus stops. Okay. Not like the elaborate ones like you see downtown, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. something like 21st and Hillside, something small mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. covered in artwork um, that beautifies the neighborhood but also gives people a place, a covered place to wait for a bus so to get out right. of the cold breeze or the rain or the snow. Um, so those types of things are, are what we're talking about and what is taking this so long. Um, everything takes a while in government, but this is really looking at where is our ridership, where the mm-hmm. service needs, mm-hmm. what areas are about to develop, and can we put routes in there? Okay. Uh, what does that look like? Do we need more service in one area, less service in another? Uh, one thing that I've talked about is some of our senior facilities. So we've got Shady Brook on 13th uh, in Spruce, and or no, that's not Spruce. Yeah, that's Spruce. 13th in Spruce, and can we get a covered stop there because that's a senior home? So it might be folks with a mm-hmm. disability or, mm-hmm. or whatnot there. And I've seen a bus have to pick up somebody in the middle of that neighborhood street because there's no stop there, no access Mm. for a wheelchair or anything. So I've talked to him about that. I've been trying to identify spaces like that that would need some infrastructure like that, and then we need the cost of that as well. So my hope is when we go second shift, we're not just going second shift without those covered stops. Like I want to see all of that happen at the same time. Again, I'm one one vote, but that's kind of where I see it right now. Okay. Great. So going back, we were talking about uh, the neighborhoods. Uh, Blackhawk Wichita has a book club as well. We just re- uh, finished reading a book called Strong Towns. Uh, and the, that's part of a whole uh, movement, as, as the, the author calls it, uh, where he really emphasizes focusing on neighborhoods and sort of the next easiest step to do. Um, that, uh, but one of the things that he really emphasizes is that 
the best thing to do for a neighborhood is just to maintain it, maintain the roads, maintain the infrastructure, because kind of as, as you were suggesting there, that causes the uh, residents then to have some uh, incentive to maintain yeah. their own uh, uh, properties and so forth. Do you see a role for increased maintenance? You kind of mentioned that uh, in the city budget, and where does that fit in in the, in the priorities? Yeah, I do. Um, that's a great question because we're going into budget season right now. Um, we have a budget uh, retreat in two weeks. Um, but yeah, I think that's definitely a priority, and we need to figure out those areas where we where we need that maintenance, whether it's roads or I still believe we should do more with sidewalks and not leave mm-hmm. it up to poor homeowners to to mm-hmm. fix those. We we could do more on that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a priority. We just have to get all of those neighborhood priorities in line and and see what that is. I mean, even with. Um, a lot of folks know about the save a lot on Thirteenth um, and Grove, but they don't know how it got there. And the how was Congressman T. Hart was working with Power CDC, and at the time they did have earmarks and worked on acquiring that property and then bringing in a save a lot, and now it's there. And so that that was federal dollars that helped out. So when we look at not only the maintenance, but it's also what needs can we address in that area that would provide at that point, more tax revenue to do more maintenance mm-hmm. in those areas. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the strong town model is good. I, I went to the two presentations that were here, met with uh, uh, Charles himself, and then Jane gave me that book as okay. well. Okay. Uh, and with that going on with the conversation of places for people, mm-hmm. I think all of this is happening at the right time. I think places for people will help develop our neighborhoods even more so. Good. Whether it's a, a, a small anchor or a big anchor, you know, if there's a coffee shop on the corner that's kind of the anchor mm-hmm. and we make it bikeable, walkable, and make sure the development is more dense in those areas, I, I think all of that could be a benefit. Okay. Great. So you mentioned the save a lot. Mm-hmm. I know one of your big fo- focuses lately has been on the the, the food desert uh, yeah. problem in uh, northeast Wichita. Um, is there progress on that, or what what needs to happen next on that? Um, progress for one person, yeah. You know, um, Ashley Faust is looking at opening a store on Ninth and Oliver. She's got a few other locations she's she's looking at, and right now she's made some applications for some loan assistance and I think one grant and of course I'm supportive so any anybody she reaches out to I reach out to and just say hey this is a huge need and not everybody's funding models are the same and so there are some folks that look at density or space between grocery stores and I'm just kind of that voice of I I know you have data but let me tell you there's a demand here so if you don't think there's going to be competition because you're one and a half miles away from another store, I'm, I'm telling you, you'll, you'll make money here. So mm-hmm. this is a worthwhile investment. And it's a community need. And aside from that, uh, once she gets that and that model works, we'll be evaluating very closely out in the neighborhood, encouraging people to use it. Um, also respect it, you know, cut down on the theft and, you know, really, really make this work. And then if that model works, we can duplicate that throughout the food desert. So not just in District 1, but, you know, we've got to do something to reduce that. We've got 44 square miles, um, and although I can point to huge gaps in District 1, I can point to huge gaps in other districts as well. So that smaller entrepreneurial route, I think, is the route that we should be going in. Okay. We talked a little bit about 
access within uh, the the neighborhoods, getting places places transit, as you mentioned, is certainly one way to do that. Uh, biking and walking is another. A lot of times, though, the discussion of biking and walking seems to focus on what you might call the recreational cyclist, somebody that's just out there doing it for fun, and we try to encourage people to do it more because it's healthy and it's good for you and all this other stuff. But Bike Walk Wichita and our recycle program works with a lot of people who uh, have to use a bike uh, to get to their their jobs or, or other resources uh, more effectively to, to save a, a two or three hour walk, yeah. uh, for example. We essentially take donations of bikes, we fix them up and, and, we, and we give them to people working with different agencies and stuff. We want to take just a moment to thank our sponsors. They're helping to transform Wichita into a better place to live, work, and play. Palmer Physical Therapy for Women, Bicycle Exchange Shops, Bicycle Peddler, Heartland Bicycle, Trut Stuff, Medis, Katie Moreau's Family Care Associates, Prairie Travelers. These people want to put their brand next to ours. We appreciate that. And now back to our interview with Alan and Brandon. Is there needs within uh, the the district? It seems that, that that's a different need than the recreational cyclist. Is there, has there been a focus on those kind of uh, people and, and what they need. Uh, yeah, so for me, it, it, it all plays together with the neighborhood bike lane. So like I said, I don't like unprotected ones, and we have Sheroes a lot in, in District mm-hmm. 1. And again, I'm not the biggest fan of those in the, in the neighborhood roads. But, I mean, it, it's what we have right now. So mm-hmm. I know a couple people who actually have to use a bike to get to and from work. Um, one, I, one, I believe, works at WSU. Another person works closer to downtown. And so when I think about it, it's how do we connect all of these spaces safely so you can get to and from, whether it's a recreational ride or to and from for work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that I never really just think about the recreation piece, unless it's for me personally. <laughs> but outside of that, yeah, I see people, even downtown, I see folks riding to and from work. Uh, you know, when we were looking at the scooter ordinance or the pilot um we had the one individual that said they used their scooter to get to and from work every mm-hmm. day so they didn't want us mm-hmm. to change the limits on speed and stuff and mm-hmm. that was really good i had never considered that because he used a really big i think longboard looking scooter those to me I always thought were fun but people use them for work too <laughs> so i think I, I take into account all of those things and again um interested in looking at again travel patterns so where do people work and which of our sheroes are they using you know all of that's Mm -hmm. important to figure out where you want to start at to kind of beef up making sure it looks good another thing that we were wanting to see is uh, over around atwater we're trying to find some funding working with jane uh, and you as well yeah We, we all were working on that and talking about like kind of a pilot to make sure we get Sheroes repainted, crosswalks with a cool design, not just the white mm-hmm. lines, but maybe mm-hmm. like piano keys, and have all of that safe transportation methods uh, via biking and walking to Health Corps, Atwater, uh, Mueller, and then kind of watching to see how that plays out. And if we're seeing it's really working, people are safer, makes the neighborhood uh, a better place to, to bike, uh, walk and bike. Um, then that's something we can duplicate as well. And we'll have a cost model. We'll know how much all of that costs Mm -hmm. to do something like that. 
And if so, then hopefully we can kind of do hubs of that because we, we really need to do a lot more across the city with just identifying those areas. But if we can do hubs where we improve it and people start using yeah. it more, then I think we get to a point where we start funding even more of that to say this is really good. And honestly, it's not like you have to fund the amount that we need every year, every year. Like we we need a lot right now, but if we just continue to do it, we could reduce that amount and just every year have maintenance in there doing that. Great, great. Well, and you may have already answered this question to, to some extent, but that actually leads to... Uh, Bikewalk, which, as you mentioned, has, has done a lot of different activities in, in District 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had uh, our bike jams where we give away uh, kids' bikes. Yeah, and those are fun. Fairmont and McAdams and at Atwater. Uh, we've done uh, we've been leading walks uh, on Wednesday evenings at a lot of different parks around town, including uh, McAdams Park. Um uh, are there other things that, that Bike Walk Wichita could be doing, other activities and, and events and stuff that, that you know, you'd like to see in District 1 um, or otherwise? You know, I, I, I love everything that you all are doing. Uh, maybe uh, maybe we can get with you on Juneteenth since we do that at Mac mm-hmm. Adams as well and just have more opportunity there. Um, I know one of my favorite things to do when we used to do um, Celebrate Safe Communities, uh, when it was funded, there was a grant from the Health Foundation where you could apply through, I believe, the YMCA at that point for a 1000 or $1,200 um, per organization to kind of do some type of healthy activity with uh, Celebrate Safe Communities. So we would use the money to go to Walmart, and Walmart would match us, and we would purchase four bikes they would give us four bikes and then we would give those away okay so that was always fun but activities like that at national night out or uh, community celebrations are great the other thing that i'm always interested in is um i like to gather information just from when i need it so it might not be a give you feedback immediately but areas where you feel we could do more with lighting or to make uh, walking or biking safer so when you bring up like mac adams park um, you all haven't said this to me, but I, I try to go to some of these spaces at night. We need better lighting around some of the sidewalks and walking paths. So this is something that we know, and as I look at a, a new master plan of Mac Adams, that would be the key element in there. Um, but spaces like that, so Fairmount's doing good because of that fair, the Shocker neighborhood work that was done for three years. But areas like that, not only in District 1, but anywhere because I can connect to the other council member but areas that we could do better in with walking, biking, safety, lighting, stuff like that is always key information for me as we're trying to make new decisions. Okay, great, great. And then kind of expanding that question, not so much on events or activities, but you obviously have a lot of experience as a community organizer and Mm -hmm. and activist and so forth. Uh, I'm sure that we could learn a lot from you. do you have any advice that you do give or, or that you can give to organizations that work with the city in terms of how better to, to, to work with them, get their views known? Yeah. Um, I think the best thing to do advocacy-wise, activism-wise, is always be informed and know um, multiple perspectives. So don't lead into what you know I like just be informed on everything so know what that individual supports and doesn't support know all the information the correct information and be able to cite it 
just personally. You don't have to go into a meeting with that, but just know it before you start the conversations. Mm -hmm. And then uh, oftentimes, and I still do this as a council member, uh, invite people out. So it's big to see it. Like I can tell you how bad something is, um, and I'm currently doing this with a, a number of things, but if, a food desert, I can tell you where the stores are at, but I'll invite you out. And I've done this to several people. Come to Atwater, and I won't tell you why, and we'll talk about it. And then when they leave, I say, I want you to do one thing for me, though, before you reach back out to me. I want you to go down to 13th and Grove and look at Save-A-Lot kind of see who's going in and out. If you have time, go inside, see what they offer. From 13th and Grove, I want you to think big picture. Where's the next grocery store? And oftentimes it's uh, they kind of think for a second and I start to answer the question. So I want you to take a drive from 13th and Grove to two of these locations. And I'm going to give you every location. And I say, go to the next grocery store, which is at Douglas and Hillside. Or go to the next grocery store, which is at Central and Rock hmm. or 21st and Rock. Maybe you can go half a mile to Aldi's, which is still on 21st, but then go down to 29th and Rock at Walmart or go to Douglas or not Douglas, Woodlawn and 37th at Dillon's or the other store, 21st and Abaddon. Just take a ride to one of those spaces <laughs> and tell me that this is not a problem. Right. And oftentimes I'll get a phone call back like, I didn't realize how long this was. Like, you think about it, we're privileged to have vehicles, but that's a long walk. That's a long bike ride. On transit, that's an all-day trip. Yeah. So I, I always try to invite people out, have information ready. When it comes to the city, especially if you get in like now during budget season, just begin to talk about the real issues and how folks are impacted by it. And that's always worked. I, I think you get more, uh, like they say, bees with honey. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mm -hmm. really talk to that. And even if you're being met with resistance, you know, you just keep up with the information. Okay. Now, at some point, you have to gather more support. So then you go to other means right. by talking to other people about this and mm -hmm. really letting folks know that there's a real issue here and something should be done about it. That happened with... Um, the Mac Adams pool, I mean, the neighborhood just mm -hmm. really continued to talk about it. Others got involved. And, you know, as in 2018, when we were going to vote on it, 300 people showed up, 39 people spoke. I mean, and that was community driven. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's always you start off trying to have sensible meetings, talking about your issue, the concern. Um, sometimes, especially with city government, our priorities aren't the same, so you may get a little bit of resistance or pushing you to the side a bit. You just continue to talk about it. Okay, well, great. Thanks. We'll, we'll try to take those lessons to heart. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot to, to digest, but thank you yeah. for that. Uh, we've been talking a lot about uh, the, the strong towns concept and, and others of, you know, sort of what's the next smallest step you could take and start wrapping it up here a couple of final questions so let's let's take the other perspective here if you had a, a magic wand not maybe not too magic uh, but something what is something realistic that you would like to accomplish for Wichita or something that you you know would like to see in Wichita from a big picture yeah that's tough I uh, I ran a race on two things uh, most of what I wanted to leave was tangible change um, but the other thing I, I really want to see is foundational change. So if we can get the foundation, so like the vending, expanding our vending base, that's mm -hmm. not something everybody will know about. But I know 
long term that's the best thing we mm-hmm. could do because it's going to help so many more people uh it's going to mm-hmm. reduce the price on a lot of projects mm-hmm. for the taxpayer but it's it's a benefit for us um but really like thoughtful plans and action steps to make them happen i've seen central northeast plan the 9th street plan the 21st street revitalization plan that bits and pieces were done and and that was it i'm kind of tired of seeing plans and no action so really like trying to make action happen to address these things so like the streetscape i want that to happen Mm -hmm. like i don't want to sit back or (laughs) kick it to the curb like that should happen um we're with you on that yeah (laughs) very much so i think in, in neighborhoods you know if we're looking at places for people then actual work to get neighborhood improvement we uh we struggle with that neighborhood needs and wants are always kind of pushed off so that that's like outside of the actual need for a grocery store that's another reason why i'm pushing like the neighborhood needs this and wants this we've got Mm -hmm. to start addressing Mm -hmm. those things so if we can get those done i mean and a lot of that to me that i heard was paving roads uh we've got a lot of unpaved i didn't realize how many Mm -hmm. roads in the city of wichita are not paved yes um but we need those roads paved we need to really spruce up our parks and when i say parks i mean like our rec centers that had deferred maintenance that are really out of date i honestly love a, a new rec center at mac adams um edgemore is not as bad perfect world all of our rec centers would be brand new up to date with modern technology that could handle wi-fi for folks who don't have access to internet that could come to these rec centers and not only exercise but also just access internets for job applications or homework um, we would find ways to, to feed people who are hungry. We could use some of our parks for community garden spaces. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot I would want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but foundationally, maybe we can begin to change ordinances to lead to that because I know right. it all won't happen in four years or if I'm blessed to get support next year, another four years after that. But um, if we can lay the foundation for it, then I know at some point in the future it can happen. All right. All right. That's great. So... People can find you on the Wichita webpage, Wichita yeah. Government. Wichita.gov. Go to Get Information. Click City Council. My picture's there. Click my picture. It all pops up. Okay. And you're on all your social media accounts and everything can yep. find you there? Yep. Okay. That's great. Thank you so much for your, for your time. It's been very interesting and, and helpful. Yeah. And like I say, we will, we will try to take some lessons from this. <laughs> uh, uh, it's it a great conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Our volunteer spotlight for this month is Stephanie Wacker, a board member and an active volunteer. She's somebody who actually shows up every time to our events. She signs up beforehand, and she's just there, it seems like, at all of our events, and that's wonderful to have her there. She is such a positive person. So yay, Stephanie. Thank you so much. We appreciate you and everything that you do. Thanks for tuning in uh, for this episode, and we really hope that you join us out around town. We look forward uh, to seeing everyone. We have our monthly meeting on the third Thursday, and we always have the virtual option, uh, so you can join us from wherever you are. Comment, tell us how you like this episode, if you have any uh, people you would like to hear from or any stories you would like to share, let us know. Extra thanks to... Councilmember Brandon Johnson for joining us, to Alan, to Jack, and especially to our producer Christian uh, for helping us get the word out. See you around town.